excellent. Come on, let's give Jesus, come on, a big shout of praise in this place. Come on, if you're believing for Him to do something in your heart tonight, let's praise Him in this place. He's so good, so good. Come on, why don't you lift your hands to heaven. Father, we just thank You right now, God. We declare that this place tonight is holy ground. God, we give You permission to do whatever You want to do, God. God, on behalf of every person here, I pray, God, that, that, that we just give You all access. We give You total permission. Father, I declare that the Holy Spirit will be free to move in this place, that every uh, demonic spirit will bow its knee to the Name of Jesus. God, I declare right now that people that walked in with anxiety are walking out free. God, people that are struggling with depression are walking out with joy. God, people bound by addiction are walking out free and free indeed. Father, I declare tonight that this is gonna be a monumental night because of what you do in this place. In Jesus' wonderful Name, Amen, Amen. Why don't you high five someone as you sit down? Hey, uh, I just love your, uh, I love your senior pastors and you guys literally hit the jackpot with Pastor Mark and Pastor Nina. Can we give them a massive round of applause? I just think they're two of the most incredible, authentic, faith-filled, uh, just wonderful people, full of the heart of God. And, and also I think as well, uh, I just wanna say as well, thank you everyone on, on Mission Sunday. I think it was a couple years ago that we, we actually planted a church. I'll have the fold down, down a little bit on the front, thanks. Uh, but we planted a church about two years ago and your church was one of the first churches to sow into our church plant. We've been going about a year and a half, two years now. Uh, you know, started from scratch in our lounge room with three people. We're now a little over 100 people. And this morning, someone made a first-time decision for Jesus Christ. But Emerge Church was one of the first churches to sow $5,000 into our church. And I know we were actually planned for me to come on a Sunday and you're going to present me with it. And I think COVID happened and it was a lockdown and I never came. So finally, I got to say thank you. I just want to say thank you so much. We really appreciate uh, that. But, uh, you know, if you've never heard me speak before, really quickly, uh, I grew up in Melbourne. Uh, both my parents did a whole heap of drugs. Uh, most of my aunties and uncles did drugs. Even some of my grandparents did drugs. You know you're in trouble when granddad smokes bongs, okay? That's just a bad start to life. And uh, I followed in my dad's footsteps and, and ended up on a whole heap of drugs. Uh, at 13, I was uh, binge drinking marijuana. At 15, I was injecting amphetamines, taking acid, ecstasy. Uh, at 16, I overdosed on an acid trip and had a very demonic encounter that left me with drug-induced psychosis, where for about five years, the television would speak to me, the radio would speak to me. I was suicidal. I almost took my life at 19 years old. And the only reason I didn't, the only reason I'm standing here today is because there was one lady who was my auntie, the only believer in my whole family, that stood in the gap and prayed for my salvation for 17 years. And at the age of 23, with a phone call to this particular auntie, I had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ because someone stood in the gap for my salvation. And uh, you know, no matter how far someone looks like they're gone, stand in the gap and believe, because God does miracles. And, and so, uh, you know, that's a bit of my story. I think it's been about 23, about 23 days since I've last used drugs. And uh, just pray for me, because it's around this time that I start to get to, no, I'm just messing with you, it's okay, it's okay. But uh, I, wanna, I wanna speak and, and, and I wanna share around uh, a freedom experience, because that was something that happened to me 24 years ago. But I wanna share around a freedom experience that I had that happened in 2019. And it was a moment where I got radically free of something that I didn't even know that I needed to be free of. It was 2019, January 26th, we were living in America. And I had this experience where God radically set me free of this thing that I'd really been struggling with but didn't even realise for about 20 something years. It, personally, it happened on the January 26, 2019, but publicly, and, and so I'm going to share that story at the end of the, the service. It's going to be the last kind of thing that, that I share, and then we're going to pray for people. And so privately, it happened on that day, but then it was about six weeks later, 
uh, in the first weekend of March 2019, I was preaching at a church in Chicago. And like I said, we're living in America. And it was the first time that I shared this particular story around what had happened to me. And, and it was the first time publicly that something changed in the way that I ministered because of what had happened to me six weeks earlier. I preached and, you know, it was kind of normal. Some people cried, a few people fell over in the power of God and moved in the Holy Spirit. And, but it was actually, I, I, I didn't plan to do it, but I kind of just randomly shared this experience that had happened six weeks earlier. And, and so it was after the service that something changed. One by one, people started to come to me and, and say, hey, when you shared about what you got free of within your mind, I related to what you were saying. And so I had a moment, this is after the service, me just trying to make my way from the front out to the foyer. And one by one, people kept coming to me and, and I would, uh, they would say that same thing and I'd pray and lead them in a few little things. And all of a sudden that person would say, hey, something just shifted. I felt like I just got free. Then the next person would come and the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. I almost got to the foyer doors and this young lady, she came to me and I remember we, I grabbed her hand, she was already in tears she too related to what I'd spoken about. And she said, I need you to pray for me. And this is a bit of a horrific kind of story. She said, when I was age 13 to 16, I was made to be a sex slave amongst the, the males within my family. She said, finally at 18 years old, I married a man who I thought was my Prince Charming that would rescue me from the nightmare that my life was. But it turned out that he was a pedophile. He raped me most of my life and she told me horrific things that took place. As she's there in tears and I'm holding her hand, I said, well, we're gonna pray in the name of Jesus. And I grabbed her hand and I said, in the name of Jesus and the power of God hit this young lady. She fell to the ground and she began to manifest in a demonic way like I'd never seen before. Literally began to violently shake. Now you gotta understand the church that I was in, it was a very kind of cool, trendy church. They weren't used to seeing the power of God. And thankfully, everyone had moved into the foyer. The interns were packing down. Their jaws were on the ground. To be honest, I was freaking out a bit too. I'm like, I hope I don't end up like that guy in the Bible that gets stripped naked and like leaves this place. That will not be good for my preaching career. And, and, and she hits the ground and we begin to pray and literally she violently is shaking, speaking to me in a man's voice, saying, I will not come out. And for 10 minutes, we're praying for this young lady that has had the most horrific things happen to her that were not her fault. She was brought into things that were full of perversion and demonic. And, and after about 10 minutes of praying and speaking, I'll never, ever forget this moment. As the pastors were with me from that church and we were praying and, and literally after 10 minutes, it was like her face changed in front of me. And it went so angelic and so beautiful and she began to cry and all she could say was, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. She went to work the next Monday and I've got her testimony on video. I've never been able to show it because it says too many things that are just too full on from her life experience. But one of the things in that video that she says is that she went to work on Monday morning to a secular workplace and one by one, all of her work colleagues kept coming up to her and asking what she had had done. Is it, what is it, the hair, you've had some work done on your face? What, what, what is it that you've done? Because she looked radically different because God set her free. I wanna speak a message called Taking Territory. And like I said at the end, I'm gonna share my story. I wanna read from John chapter eight, verses one to 11. I'm gonna make some observations and I've got three really quick points and then we're gonna pray. John eight, verses one to 11. Have we got that? There it is there. Uh, it says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. It says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. See, I wanna show you that whenever it talks about the teachers of law and Pharisees, it speaks about a religious spirit. I hate the religious spirit. I have a holy hatred toward it. But because at least a spirit of lust, when someone is enticed by a spirit of lust, a spirit of lust is not pretending to be something that it's not. 
It appears before, appeals to your flesh. You know what you're giving into. And in a moment of weakness, you give into that spirit. But a religious spirit, it dresses up as if it represents Jesus. It it, it comes uh, in the name of Jesus in a sense, but it's a phony. And rather than being like Jesus that lifts up and brings life, it beats down and it condemns. And so the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they brought in a woman caught in adultery. See, a religious spirit is always about exposing your sin to beat you down. So see, let me tell you, Jesus deals with sin, but the Bible says He covers a multitude of sins. A religious spirit is always about exposing people's weakness and sin. They made her stand before the group. They said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. See, I want you to understand that this didn't happen in Albany Hills in 2023. It happened more than 2,000 years ago in a Middle Eastern country. She was caught in the act of, of having sex with someone that wasn't her husband, most probably dragged naked through the street by her hair. She would have known other women that ended up in the same fate that she was about to face where they would pick up large stones and men would throw them at her until her skull was squashed and she would die. She was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. The reason why I hate the the religious spirit is because you can make this almost say whatever you want. A religious spirit will take this beautiful word and make it a hammer that beats people down instead of something that lifts people up and says that you're a son or daughter of the Most High God. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And so so they say in the law, now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap. See, I believe this whole thing was a setup. This woman was, the whole thing was a setup because notice there was no man that was brought before them. Who knows you can't commit adultery by yourself? You kind of need help with that one. And I believe this whole thing was a setup because they were trying to trap Jesus. They they would have chosen this woman strategically. They didn't pick the, 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 the altar girl, they picked the girl with a reputation. A promiscuous reputation. She probably didn't feel good about herself. Maybe she didn't have a dad around that loved her. Maybe she had done some wrong things, but they used it as a trap. And in order to have basis for accusing him, see again, they came in the name of God, dressed up as God, but they were speaking the devil's language. Because the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren, bringing accusation against Jesus. But Jesus bent down, He started right on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. I love this. At this, those who heard, who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left. I love that the older ones left first because when I first became a Christian, I thought with righteousness, but a holy but pride, I thought this Christianity thing is gonna be easy. But what I've actually found is the longer I've known Jesus, the more I realise that I need Jesus every single day. That I've got this flesh to contend with and I need a Saviour, I need grace to help me to live out the life that He's called me to live. The older ones, they were the first ones to say, I'm out of here, man, because I already know what I've done wrong. It says, with the, uh, only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. I love this. Because a religious spirit says, stop sinning or you'll be condemned. Jesus says, you're not condemned. Now go and stop sinning. See, religious spirit is based on fear. You better stop that addiction or condemnation awakes. Jesus says, let me tell you who you are. You are a child of God. You are not condemned. I've already died on the cross. And when you understand that, that'll empower you to live a life of sinning no more. And so a religious spirit, I love this because like I said, I don't know this for sure, but 
I believe that this woman was set up. And like I said, if she was, they didn't pick the, the choir girl, they picked the girl with the reputation. And let's just say she didn't have a dad to tell her how beautiful she was. Let's just say that, you know, when, when, when she was a, a young girl, there was that boy at school that convinced her to give away her virginity and told her that he'd love her, but the moment she did it, he told everyone at school what type of girl she was. She didn't have people to believe in her. See, the thing that I love is, is, is a, well, a religious spirit, what it does is it deals with the surface level issues. He, he's looking at porn. She's getting too angry. She, she's gossiping. And a religious spirit looks with the band-aid issues, but Jesus wants to deal with what's underneath that's causing the problems. See, when Jesus speaks to this woman, he doesn't mention the adulterous affair. He mentions the underlying root that she knew and felt like she was condemned. When a house is condemned, it means it's disqualified. It can no longer be used for the purpose that it was made to be used for. This woman had been walking around with an invisible condemned sign her whole life. The reason she was sleeping with men that were not her husband is because on the inside, she felt condemned. Jesus doesn't deal with the sin. He deals with what's producing the sin in her life. And he says, honey, I need to tell you, maybe your dad wasn't around. Maybe they said that about you at school, but I want you to know that you are not disqualified. You are a daughter of the Most High God. There's still a destiny on your life. I'm gonna use you as my daughter. And Jesus deals with the stuff Jesus wants to deal with the stuff that's underneath. And the reality is all of us have behaviours in our life that we don't like. And what I wanna look at is, is what's fueling those behaviours so that we can deal with the stuff underneath. Let me give you three things that cause. The first one is this, is the hurts of the past. See, when Jesus said to this woman, who's left to condemn you? What she could have done is got stuck in the past and said, Jesus, don't get me started about my dad that left when I was a little girl. Don't get me started about the boy that spread rumours about me. Or don't get me started on the, we don't know how many men there were, but let's say there was 30. The 30 men that were just standing here five minutes ago saying, I should die. And who knows that if she had have got stuck in her past, she would not have received the present miracle that Jesus wanted to do in her life. The amount of people that miss out on the blessing of God because we, are, we, we don't deal with the past hurts that stop us. Every now and again, Jackie, my beautiful wife's here today. Every now and again, we'll have a heated conversation. That's Christian for argument, okay? And, and, and every now and again, she'll say something that is a trigger to me. And most times I'm smart enough to not say anything in that moment because I know that anything I say in that moment is not good for my marriage. It's definitely not good for my sex life. I'm married, it's okay. But every now and again, I'm not smart and I'll react to that thing that she said that to me is a trigger, it's an annoying trigger. And at times I'll react in such an emotional kind of, you know, I'm, I'm angry and I'm annoyed. And then I will walk away and I'll think about it. I think, man, that it doesn't make sense because what she said, it was annoying, but it was like a two out of 10. But my response was like an eight out of 10. And how does two equal eight? Two doesn't equal eight unless there's still the thing in the three in my heart that happened six weeks ago. And the two that happened two weeks ago and the one that happened three days ago, you understand what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, two equals eight. If you don't deal with the past hurts, they'll show up in your present and your future. The reality is if you're gonna live this life, there are gonna be hurts. I remember I, 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 I preached at a church in, in Schenectady, New York. And the, I preached on fear on the Sunday morning and the pastor's wife came to me and she said, hey, I've actually been experiencing incredible fear. She said, it's producing such full-on anxiety that I literally, especially I cannot hop on an aeroplane, I have panic attacks. 
She said, the thing that's terrible is my daughter who's 18 is now starting to manifest the exact same anxiety and panic attacks that I've been modelling at home. I'd preached on fear and I said, okay, well, we're gonna pray about this together. I said, tomorrow morning, we're gonna meet at the office, bring your husband, they were the pastors of the church, and I said, we're gonna, I'm gonna pray for you, we're gonna spend an hour and we're gonna see this broken off your life. They turned up the next morning and she turns up on Monday morning, nine o'clock in the morning and she comes and she says, you're not gonna believe it. She said, but last night I had a dream about something that had happened about 28 years ago that I haven't spoken about for more than two decades. And I had this dream of this event that happened when I was a little girl. The night before, we're about to pray of why this fear is ruling in my life. She said, the dream was when I was about 12 years old, I was sexually abused. My mum's boss minded me for the day in South Africa, he had a farm. And on that farm, he sexually abused me. I never told anyone, I never told my parents. I just dealt with it. I told my husband when we first got married, but we never spoke of it again. And I said, okay, well, we're gonna minister to that. And we started to minister to the inner healing that she needed, the, the hurt that was buried deep in her heart that now was manifesting anxiety. The hardest part was I had to lead her to this moment of forgiving the man that did such a terrible thing to her. Now, if that kind of triggers you, I totally understand and I empathise. But, but what it kind of shows is maybe you just don't fully understand the power of forgiveness and what it really means. Is because forgiving that man does not say what he did was okay. You can 100% forgive someone and then make sure they end up in jail. Forgiveness is not a gift to that person you're forgiving. Forgiveness is a gift to yourself. What forgiveness is, it means I'm not letting the evil that someone did to me destroy the rest of my life. Forgiveness is a gift that you give to yourself. Why would I withhold myself from a great gift because you did something terrible to me? See, if you hurt me in a really bad way, then I always give myself the gift of forgiving you. If I choose to stay in relationship with you, that's the gift I give to you. There are some people I've had friends that have hurt me deeply, but because they're good friends and they're good people and I weigh up, I'm gonna give myself the gift and I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and I'm still gonna give them the gift of friendship. There are other people in your world, you give yourself the gift, but they're toxic and you say, hey, we're gonna say goodbye, you do you and I'm gonna do me. If you're married, you have to keep giving the same gift, whether you like it or not. But anyway, that's a different sermon. The second thing, is, is, is dealing with what fuels behaviours is destructive mindsets. See, when Jesus spoke to her, you're not condemned. He was dealing with a mindset, a belief system that she had about herself. This belief system was the thing that was causing her to end up in adulterous affairs because she believed she was unworthy, that she was disqualified, that she was condemned. When I was praying for that lady, I might just get the keyboard to come now, that'd be great. But when I was praying for that, that pastor's wife, and, and, and it was, you know, for about 40 minutes, she just wept. When we helped her to forgive this person that did this terrible, evil thing to her, it took a long time, but we led her through it. And there was a, a lot of tears and probably about 30, 40 minutes of her just weeping and crying and ministering the love of the Father, bringing healing to her heart. And I kind of, she pulled herself together and God had done some amazing things. And I kind of thought to myself, well, I think we're done. She, she's, she, it looks like God's really done something and I feel like he set her free. And then it was like God gave me this kind of word of wisdom where I kind of had this understanding. I'm like, isn't it interesting? This is in my mind. I had this thought that it's, it's interesting that the way that her anxiety manifests the most is she won't hop on airplanes. And then as she's just about done and we're getting ready to leave, this, this, this thought comes and I say, hang on, before we go, I want you to pray a prayer, repeat after me. And I said, just repeat after me. And I said, say these words, say, Father. She says, Father. So thank you that I can trust you to protect me. She said, Father. Father. 
probably took us 20 minutes for her to be able to say the words. Because understandably so, as a 13-year-old little girl that had her innocence robbed, the negative byproduct is she de developed a belief system and a mindset that you cannot trust God to protect you. And if I believe within my inner man, and my inner heart that you can't trust God to protect you, well then I'm not hopping on a tin can that flies through the sky. In that moment, that lady, we dealt with the past hurt. She did the work over three weeks of changing her mindset with the Word of God. Because that stuff doesn't happen at an altar call. That's the work that you have to do in changing mindsets. And this lady did the work and today she's 100% free of all anxiety. Her daughter's free of anxiety. She's hopping on aeroplanes. But then the last one that I wanna, we're gonna pray into and it's gonna lead to my story. The one that fuels behaviours that we don't like in our life. And we don't talk about this a lot anymore in the church, but it's demonic oppression. Demonic oppression, not possession. A Christian can't be possessed because to be possessed is to be completely controlled. But let me tell you, a Christian can be influenced. And it's literally like in the 80s, it was like the church went a bit crazy and there was a demon under every bush. It's like he sneezed. He's got a demon. Take him out the back. But in today's age, let me tell you, the plan of the devil is to hide. And even in churches, it's like he doesn't exist anymore. He's gone. He hides behind things that we've come up with every name, anxiety, depression, every mental illness that you can imagine. Now hear me please. I'm not saying that every mental health situation is a demon. I'm not saying that. But a lot of them might be. And if the devil just comes up with all these different names, see, think about this. If there is a, if you've got a problem with your car, and I don't know a lot about cars, but the hoses keep fraying and, and popping off because there's something wrong with the motor. And if you just keep fixing the hoses, who knows, you'd be fixing hoses forever. But if you actually get to what's really wrong with the motor, then you won't need to fix the hoses. And sometimes, sometimes there is a demonic oppressive spirit that's fueling the behaviour that you don't like. And you can try and renew your mind forever. You can go to counselling and counselling is awesome. But if you're trying to counsel a demon, let me tell you, that ain't gonna work. Excuse me, Mr. Demonic Demon that's full of hatred. Could you please be a little bit nicer? It doesn't work. And I think what we've done as well as the church is we've demonised demons. Like the homeless guy that's yelling profanities. I mean, he's got a demon. But actually, demonic oppression is simply this. And this is what the devil hides behind. Demonic oppression is when the devil has found a legal right to speak. But he doesn't speak as him. He speaks as you. Because then you just think that you're the problem and you keep trying to fix you. Let me give you an example. Bible says that if you go to bed angry, this is what the Bible says, and the sun goes down and you're still angry, it says that you give the devil a foothold. I've been married 24 years. I'd be lying to you if I said there weren't some nights that I went to bed angry and the sun went down. So the Bible says when I've done that, I've given the devil a foothold. I've given him a legal right to speak because he's a legalist. And I gave him a legal right to speak. But he wakes me up when the next morning happens, I've given him a legal right to speak. He doesn't speak as if he's him. Like he doesn't say, all right, Lucas, Scripture says you've now given me a legal right. You went a bit angry about your wife. I'm gonna be speaking to you, Lucas, for the next month or so. All of it's gonna be negative about your wife. He doesn't do that. But I gave him a legal right to speak and now he speaks as me. So when the next day when Jackie says something, there's a thought there that I think is mine. 
says, what did she really mean when she said that? Because I've given him a legal right to speak. You know, there's another scripture where it talks about unforgiveness. And if you know this story, it's a powerful parable where there's a man that's forgiven a debt by the master. And if you look at the money of that day, the amount of money that he owed, it was an unpayable debt. He, 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 if he had have lived his whole life, he never would have earned enough money to pay back the debt. But he begged the master. He said, please forgive me. And the master shows grace and mercy. He says, I forgive you. Wipe your debt clean. The unpayable debt. But then this same man that's forgiven the unpayable debt finds another man that owes him the equivalent of about $5,000. It's a lot of money, but you could pay it back. Give him a bit of time, he'd be able to pay that back. And he finds that man that owes him the equivalent of five grand and that man begs too. He says, please, just forgive me. I promise I'll pay it back. Just give me time, please forgive me. But the man that was forgiven the unpayable debt, he says, no, to jail with you until every cent is paid back. And the master finds out. The master's God in the story. The master finds out and he's angry. And he brings the, the, the man that was forgiven the unpayable debt. And he says, you wicked servant. He says, send him to jail. Watch this, this is what the Scripture says, where the tormentors will have their way with him. When you are in unforgiveness towards someone, because of the hypocrisy of it, that you have been forgiven an unpayable debt. Your debt should have been separation from God for all of an eternity, but a God in heaven said, regardless of how bad your sin is, I forgive all of it. So then when you are forgiven an unpayable debt, then receive a reward of eternal life with God that you don't deserve. But when you find someone that did something wrong against you and you will not forgive them, you end up in a prison where tormentors now have a legal right to speak. I'll finish with this story and then we're gonna pray. We were in a church in America and they would talk about this kind of stuff. Once a year, they'd do a Sunday called Freedom Sunday. And on Freedom Sunday, they'd basically talk about all the different ways that you can get oppressed. Listen, this is not to condemn but when you look at pornography, let me tell you that you're not just looking at a screen. There's stuff behind the stuff. You are opening yourself up to demons that are dressed up as something else. And when we, this church once a year, big church, 14,000 people that we're a part of, once a year at every campus, they do Freedom Sunday. And they talk about all the ways that you give the devil a legal right to speak. And it's amazing because churches get scared of this. But every year, Freedom Sunday is the most heavily attended Sunday of the entire year. Because so many people get free that next year when Freedom Sunday comes, they go and find friends that need to hear the same things so that they can get free too. And so I'm in this church and for 20 years, I had struggled with just not feeling enough. And I always put it down to single dad, dad wasn't around, rejected by dad. And for me, there was always these thoughts and, and let me be real with you, if I was struggling with a sin in my life while I was a minister, the, the, the noise in my head of not being enough would almost be debilitating, it was loud. But even when I was doing good and things were opening up and I was doing awesome, the noise was still there that you're not good enough. It wasn't loud, but it'd be a song that was two rooms down the hall, but I could still hear the song. For 20 years, the song, and I had tried for so long to renew my mind. The amount of prayer ministry I'd had, healing at the altar, Renewing my mind over and over. And I've got to change the way I think. And it was 2019 and it was Freedom Sunday and I was an itinerant traveling full time. I did that for nine years. And so I wasn't at church for Freedom Sunday. I was preaching somewhere else, but I listened to the podcast. 
Pastor Becky, the campus pastor. It's the first time in my life as I listened to a whole message talk about demonic oppression that I said, maybe I'm oppressed. I rang a guy that goes to the church, who's a lay pastor in the church, but moves in this kind of thing. His name is Lance, and I rang Lance. And I said, Lance, I just listened to Pastor Becky's message. I think I need some prayer. I'm the guy ministering around the world, helping everyone get free and in the healing and all that kind of stuff. And Lance says, yeah, come down. We met on a Saturday, January 26, 2019. And I begin to open up and I get real and I'm pretty good at that with the right people. But I get real with Lance because here's the deal. Until you take off your mask, your face can't get healed. Too many people wearing a Christian mask, but struggling deeply in private. Be brave with the right person and take off the mask. Not to the world, but to the right person that's gonna show love and grace and faith. And I got with Lance and I got real. And he says, well, we're gonna pray. And he begins to pray for me. Now, I get a lot of impressions when I'm ministering to someone. I just get a feeling, an impression of what, you know, I'll get an impression of a broken mirror and I know that I'm ministering to brokenness. But while he's praying for me, it's not an impression. It's like I have a vision. I don't get visions. It's like my eyes are closed, but I'm watching a movie. And the movie is this underground kind of tunnel sewer system. And I'm watching it like in a movie, and I know that it represents my inner man. And then I look and I see this tunnel, and the tunnel is like an arch and it's dark. And then I see these tunnel kind of archway doors, and I hear them in the vision, they go, and they close. And as soon as they close, I hear a, a bellowing voice within the vision that says, there was darkness behind the doors. And as soon as those words spoke, I literally felt like I'd been injected with joy for about eight seconds. Joy literally went. And it was so abrupt, just for like seven, eight seconds, that I literally stopped him praying for me. And see what, I said, something happened. And he goes, I know, I felt it too. And I think the joy was that there had been this darkness fueling stuff in my life for so long that Holy Spirit couldn't contain just showing a little bit of excitement. And we kind of stopped and I, and I just said, something happened. And I remember going to sit at Starbucks after it and just, I remember sitting there going, I don't know, I don't understand it, but something happened. The next morning, I was getting ready to preach. It was Sunday morning at the church we were a part of. Jackie and the boys had already gone off to the main campus, which is where we attended. But I was preaching at one of the smaller ones that only had one service. So I got to go a bit later than they did. And so I wake up this next morning and they're already gone, so no one's home. And I get up and I think, well, I better go have a shower. I'll never, ever forget this moment. As I walk into the shower, about to get ready, it was like I walked into an invisible wall. And I walked into this, this wall where I was overwhelmed by how quiet my house was, because no one was home. Freakily overwhelmed by how quiet it was. But then I realised it wasn't the quiet of my house. It was the quiet of my house that the noise had become so normal for two decades that I just thought that's who I am. But literally in that moment, the noise stopped. I've shared this story more than a hundred times all over the world. And I'm gonna give a moment in a second, I'm gonna lead people in prayer. And every time I do this, listen, including pastors' retreats. I've done two of them. And every single time when I ask people if you relate to the noise, whatever that looks like to you, 
every single time, 70 to 80% of the church, including when it's all pastors, say, I relate to the noise. And tonight we're gonna pray and God's gonna do some significant things in this place. Because sometimes the anxiety that you're wrestling with, it's being fueled by demonic oppression. Sometimes that, that heaviness is being fueled. Sometimes that addiction, that struggle, it's being fueled. That low self-worth, it's being fueled. So I want everyone to stand to your feet. And we're just gonna spend the next 10, 15 minutes. And I want everyone to close your eyes right now. And really quickly, if you'd say, Lucas, include me in what you're gonna pray because I relate to the noise, just quickly lift your hands to heaven. Yeah, all over this place, everywhere I go. Pastors, leaders, everywhere I go. And here's what I'm gonna do. It's almost the church. Here's what I wanna do, because I'm gonna lead you in something really powerful. Here's what I'm gonna do. Just about every person that's lift their hands. I want you to come, there's already people crying, the power of God's moving. I want you to come out of your seat and I want you to come to the front, just every single person. It's okay, we're gonna do church for 10, 15 minutes. Just, and just come right to the front here so that there's room for people. Just Because I'm gonna lead you in some stuff and then we're gonna pray. Just come. Holy Ghost, we thank You for Your presence in this place. There it is, power of God's here. Power of God, get ready, I'm telling you. We're just gonna, we're gonna go slow. We're just gonna go slow. Because in church, we always need it to be big. We're just gonna go slow for a moment and then I'm gonna pray and stuff's gonna happen. Stuff's gonna shift. But I'm gonna, I have to do something with you first. I'm gonna do three quick things and then I'm gonna pray. I'm simply gonna help you. And if you're in, the, in your seats, this will be a great exercise for you to do too. But I'm gonna help you to firstly close doors. There's three key ways that doors get open. The first one is this, unrepented sin. That's not every sin that you've ever committed because if you've already repented, then it's done, it's finished. But if you've got areas in your life that you are living in unrepented sin, then you are giving the devil a legal right. But that's an easy one to fix. It's just that it's within yourself saying, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I, I repent. Thank you that you forgive me. So I'm gonna help lead you in this. And so I'm gonna get you to pray a prayer where you're simply gonna ask God to show you any unrepented sin that you have in your life, whether you know about it or even if you don't. He's gonna reveal it. Listen, He's not gonna reveal it to condemn you. He's gonna reveal it so that you can repent of it, receive His forgiveness and close the door. So repeat after me every person. Say, Father, show me any sin in my life that I haven't repented of and help me to repent. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Let's just do business with God. Just, I'm gonna give you a minute, just in your heart. Like I said, He brings it up. You, you say, God, I'm sorry for what I've been looking at. I, I turn away from it. And Father, I thank You that You forgive me. God, that thing that I did, I'm sorry that I did it. I turn away from it. And thank You that You forgive me. Come on right now. Right now, right now. In the Lord's Prayer, which God said to do daily, He told us every day to repent of our trespasses and forgive those that sin against us because He knew that it was what opened the doors to the enemy. People just getting right now, just let it go. Just repent. There it is, power of God. There's people just in, in really in tears. The power of God's moving right now. It's the beautiful, it's the gift of repentance, but that's how, that's how doors get closed. That's how the devil loses his power. The next thing, and this one's gonna be a lot harder for some, but we're gonna now ask God if there's anyone that I've got unforgiveness toward. And remembering this is not a gift to them, it's a gift to yourself, but we're gonna forgive. You might have been sexually abused. I empathise and I, I can't even imagine. That's a horrific thing. But I want you to be free. And so I'm gonna do the same thing. We're gonna close doors. Repeat after me. Say, Father, show me anyone in my life that I have unforgiveness towards and help me to forgive them. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Same thing as He brings up names. 
might be a husband, a wife, an ex-wife, a mom, a dad, a pastor, a leader, a friend, a teacher, a sibling, a cousin, a grandparent. There it is, just let it go. There it is. Power of God, just let it go. There it is. Let it go. As He brings them up, it's really simple. Father, I forgive so-and-so for what they did against me. And I rel- oh, there it is. Someone needs to hear this because especially in men, one of the biggest people that you need to forgive is actually yourself. Often there's a spirit of self-hatred released because you've got offence toward yourself. You're okay at giving everyone else grace, but in your heart you're like, oh, I should have known better and, I'll, and I'm not forgiving myself. Some of you need to forgive yourself. Some of you need to give grace to yourself. Yeah, you messed up. Yeah, you missed it. Well, if Jesus forgave you, why wouldn't you forgive yourself? All right, and then the last thing I'm gonna do before I really pray, and we're gonna see the power of God move. And this one's gonna be even harder. And like I said, there's already a lot of people crying. This one's gonna be even harder. And this one's not gonna be for everyone. But one of the main ways that the devil gets a foothold is through trauma. See, the devil is, he's such an evil thing that when someone, if someone was to rob my house while I was home, they'd come at three o'clock in the morning because at that time I'm the most vulnerable. And when you go through a traumatic event, whether it's a death, an accident, a betrayal, divorce, your, your spirit and emotions are opened in a way and it's so easy for the enemy to come in and get a stronghold. So the people I wanna pray for right now, I just wanna minister a little bit of inner healing. If you know that the noise that you're struggling with is directly related to a traumatic event, you know the traumatic event that happened of when the fear started or the depression started or the addiction started or whatever it is, if you know, I want you to lift your hand and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray a special prayer for you. Father, in the Name of Jesus, there it is. There it is, just the love of the Father. If you're in your seats, will you reach out your hands? In the Name of Jesus, God. Oh, there it is. God, just let your love, let the love of the Father, let the love of the Father. Young lady, just give me a hand. Holy Ghost, just let the love of the Father, let the love of the Father, let the love of the Father be released in this place. Let the love of the Father be released in this place over every person with their hands raised. God, I pray for healing to come. I pray for supernatural inner healing to come, to flow. Let it flow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Someone come and stand here. Holy Ghost, power of God. Let it flow. Let it flow. Healing in the Name of Jesus. Jesus is doing surgery on your heart right now. He's doing surgery on your heart. What man has not been able to fix, God is about to fix. Hey, Holy Ghost, for every hand that's raised, the love of the Father. Let me tell you, daughter, He loves you so much. You're so special. You're so beautiful. Every daughter, you're so beautiful. It broke His heart when you were traumatised. It broke His heart when you were traumatised. It broke His heart. For every daughter, I see that when you went through that traumatic event, Jesus wept. He saw it happen because of the sin of the world, but He wept. He wept. God, bring healing to every daughter that's been through trauma. God, for every son, God, I pray, whatever he's gone through, the betrayal, the hurt, God, release your presence and your power in the Name of Jesus, in the Name of Jesus, in the Name of Jesus, in the Name of Jesus. Power of God's here. Now here's what I'm gonna do. I want every person to stand with your hands like this, just like this. And I want you to be in receive mode. I don't want you to speak in tongues. I just want you to be in let go mode. Because you know what we need sometimes? Just like I needed Lance in my life who was a 
a big brother to do the heavy lifting on my behalf. And all I am here tonight is representing God to be a big brother in a moment that you need, just like I've had done for me many times, to be the one that does the heavy lifting. And so I'm gonna start to pray in a moment and stuff's gonna come out. Stuff that's been fueling addictions is gonna break off your life. Anxiety's gonna lift, depression's gonna lift. And I'm gonna pray and all you need to do is receive and let go. But I wanna tell you that how I'm gonna pray right now up until this point, I've been ministering to you in a loving pastoral way because I've been speaking to you, my brother, my sister. But the way I'm gonna pray now is not in a loving, beautiful way. I'm gonna speak in an authoritative, almost aggressive manner because right now I'm not gonna speak to you. I'm gonna speak to the thing that is fueling the behaviour in your life and I'm gonna take authority over it. So get ready to let go. The power of God's about to move, I'm telling you. So right now I come in the Name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do not stand on this stage in my own authority, but I come in the Name of the King of Kings. I speak to every demonic spirit. And I tell you right now that you will not make a spectacle in this place, but you will go at once. So I speak right now the power of God. I speak to every spirit of fear right now, every spirit of anxiety. I bind you in the Name of Jesus Christ. I say go in the Name of Jesus. I bind every spirit of fear and anxiety and I say go. Hey, I speak to the spirit of depression and suicide. I bind you in the Name of Jesus Christ. Holy Ghost, come here quickly, come here. I speak to every spirit of heaviness and I say go. Every spirit of suicide, I break. I break your power. Pay, I release right now the power of God. There it is, I release. The power of God to every spirit of self-hatred, I bind you in the Name of Jesus Christ. To every sexual perversion spirits, I speak to you in the Name of Jesus and I break your power today. I declare that pornography will no longer have a hold on you in the Name of Jesus Christ. I break that spirit today and I declare you are a son of the Most High God. You are victorious. I break every spirit in the Name of Jesus. Right now in the Name of Jesus, in the Name of Jesus, in the Name of Jesus. I declare freedom today in the Name of Jesus. Come on, let's just worship for three, four minutes and then we're, I'm gonna let Pastor Mark wrap it up. Holy Ghost.